Thanks, Kate. Hi, everybody. I'm Elizabeth. I'm an alcoholic. And <clears throat> we are on step six. So in the big book, page 76, I always love that. It's easy to remember. Steps six and seven are on page seven, six. Okay, so top of the page, it says if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So answer what to our satisfaction? So we just want to peek back on the page before and look at uh, last week, Kate beautifully covered step five. And at the end of it, we she talked about returning home. And so after we've done our inventory, we've shared it with another person. Oftentimes we share it with a sponsor, but you can share it. The book says you could share it with the clergy, a doctor, whoever. After we've shared that body of work and we've seen what we've seen, we then go home and we do what it suggests on the page 75 at the bottom of the page. It says returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. I also set a timer like Kate said she did. Um, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Then we take the book off the shelf and we ask ourselves some questions. And those questions I ask as if they were prayers. So I ask God in my quiet hour um, if I've omitted anything. And then I listen and see if anything comes up. And then it talks about the arch through which we're building that second and third step. We spoke about that in previous talks. Um, and then I ask, is my work solid so far? And then I sit with that and listen. And then I see what comes, possibly write down something, um, whatever's revealed. Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make water without sand? So is anything missing? Is there anything that I held back that I didn't want to share, that I didn't quite want to share the whole story? Maybe I just shared a little bit of it and just figured, ah, they could fill in the blanks. Whatever is there is going to come up because I'm sitting there in quiet contemplation and it's just going to be revealed. So then we flip to the next page, page 76. And if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So the way that I go through step six and seven, the way that my sponsor has brought me through, um, I've gone through various ways, but, but the past, the most recent experiences over the past like 10 years or so has been, if you can answer to your satisfaction at the end of that hour, then keep going after that hour, that timer goes off. Are we now ready to let God remove from us the things which we have omitted are objectionable? Again, I ask that as a prayer. And so I'm like, God, am I ready? Like, because I don't know if I'm ready to do it all. And then I sit there and I, I listen. And then can he now take them all, everyone? And and what he's taking is what I found with in the work that I that I did with another person. He's not taking the future stuff because that's not that's impossible, right? What we're looking at now is we're looking at a turning point in the steps. So we're looking back, and if we look from step one to step six, we looked into our past. When we turn, and we're not 
we're not turning today. <laughs> we're going to turn next week. We're going to give this whole talk to um, and this meeting for people to share on their experience with that six step. But next week, when we get into step seven, we're going to turn and we're going to be looking towards our future. We're going to be looking at, at so step six is all about the ways that I've been being in the world that no longer work. And when we turn, we're going to, and step seven begins to be the ways in which I'm beginning to move in the world, which is new and uncomfortable maybe because I'm not quite used to doing it. But um, Gwen always says, you know, step six is not doing the thing that I want to do. And step seven is doing the thing that I don't really want to do yet. Um, okay, so we ask and then, you know, we sit in quiet contemplation and then it, it gives us this out. It says, you know, if there's still something that we're just not ready, that we're aware of from that body of work that we just did with another spot with a sponsor, we can pray for the willingness. We can ask God to help us be willing and we can pause there and 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 we wait until and we're not quite ready to move on. So that's what we've got in the big book. We are going to look at the 12 and 12. And we're also going to look at a piece in Drop the Rock, which is another fabulous book that integrates step six, seven and 10. But now I'll turn it over to Kate before we move on to the next piece. Thanks, Elizabeth. So in the big book, we just have this one paragraph on step six. And I too have had the experience of going through the steps where six and seven happen in a matter of minutes. And then I'm making that eight step list. I've also had the experience um, of spending time in six and seven with doing readings that are um, both uh, conference approved literature, but also spiritual readings. And right now we're going to turn to the 12 and 12. Um, and on the second page of the 12 and 12, there's this question, having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism or our primary problem, why then shouldn't we be able to achieve by the same means a perfect release from every other difficulty or defect? And, you know, Bill Wilson poses this question and, you know, like, why won't God take the rest of this stuff? Or, you know, and if, if, if you've been in program for a while, you probably have experienced what I have, which is like that primary reason I came in is pretty well treated, but then other things come up that cause pain. And that makes me think I'm either doing something wrong or I haven't done something in the program that I was supposed to do. And, you know, when Elizabeth and I were talking about this, one of the things we talked about is Elizabeth said, well, when I'm giving a hundred percent in the moment to God, then everything in the moment is removed because I'm practicing step 10. And so as something arises in me, that could become a disturbance, which then will be a resentment, which then is acting out on a defect, which then becomes a harm and necessitates an amends, right? If I can notice that as a disturbance in step 10, um, then I truly stop and I say, God, help me. I need you in this moment inside of me, in this place in me where I, where it's white hot or it's in my gut and I can't get it out. 
And in that moment, I direct my thinking, God does remove or higher power or creator of the universe removes the defect or the disturbance in that moment. And that's amazing. But what the literature seems to be telling us is we don't have that 100% all the time presence of willingness in every moment of our lives. And what a gift is that we, we, were, we were created by something that knows that we're never going to be at that point. All we're going to do is try to move in the direction of awareness so that over time, we are aiming for that standard of being so present that moment to moment we see these things as they arise before they become destruction outside of us. And so one of the things that I think about too in, in the practice of, you know, in, in, in my lineage, we talk about that we practice step 10 by working step six, seven, and 11, is that if our focus you know, on four and five, a lot of it has been like looking at the destruction outside that has been wrought because of what's not okay inside. And as we live in step six and seven, but especially step six, our attention is on what's going on inside. And can I stay present and conscious with it? Because if I can attend to it at the root, the branches and the fruit are not going to be trash. They're not. It's not, I'm not going to put out apples that have those like black marks on them that you can't eat, right? So the literature in the 12 and 12 says, we're just not able to let go perfectly. All we can do is this idea of patient progress. Can we be patient with our progress of waking up to these things as we go through life? And so it just says, you know what? This is an attitude. Step six is an attitude of what I'm willing to grow toward. And um, then it's going to talk about in step six that sometimes defects that don't outwardly manifest are really sickening us on the inside. It talks about defects that persist below the level of consciousness. And so this to us also really speaks to step 11 is that as I'm sitting in the mornings or I'm doing my practice, I'm inviting my consciousness to grow and become aware of things that have persisted underneath that I haven't seen yet. And so only to the degree that we practice the later steps, are we actually going to be able to see those defects that persist below the level of consciousness um, that step six is talking about. So if I stop practicing the steps, you know, if I, if I do a few night steps, I kind of do a step 10 when my hair is on fire, I kind of sort of meditate maybe, and I start sponsoring but I'm not really in the practice of 10, 11, and 12 and finishing nine, I'm really not going to be able to grow in awareness of the things that are persisting below the level of consciousness in step six that really is the unfinished work of four and five. And then, you know, in three years or five years or 10 years, when the pain gets bad enough and I hear some great share in a meeting and I go up to a woman and I go, oh my God, will you take me through the steps? I want to go through the steps with you because my life is suddenly a disaster in long-term recovery. 
that's the stuff on four and five and eight and nine that I could have been working on in step six. So both Elizabeth and I have examples of horrendous step six experiences in long-term recovery. Um, and so I'll share mine real quick before I hand it back over to her. So about five or six years ago, I was uh, working a program sponsoring. Um, I'm not sure how great or consistent my meditation practice was, but I had a health issue come up that I had stopped um, going to like a professional doctor to treat. Um, I was really convinced that if I just worked harder in the steps and in another program that I needed to do work in, um, that that would solve it. I just do more service. I just sponsor more people. I just write more inventory. When I got to a point where my body started shutting down, um, I had to take medical leave from work and I actually couldn't live by myself anymore. I had to go live with sober women. And I was on the phone um, with a sponsor at the time and I just really couldn't understand why um, I couldn't I couldn't handle this because I was I was being the best little AA I could be. And um but I, I would not go to the doctor. I would not go to the doctor for help. And um, I remember sitting in a Starbucks line and this deep intuition came to me also on the phone with a sponsor. And she said, you know, what does God want? And in my intuition, I heard God say, go to your doctor. And the next thought I had was, oh, no, no, I don't need to do that yet. I'm managing just fine. Right. Story of sobriety. And so I was sitting in my friend's Adirondack chair um, a couple of weeks later, pretty much incapacitated and um, but still going to meetings, still sharing in meetings, still sponsoring, right, doing the things we do. And this wonderful woman who sometimes is on this meeting said to me, Kate, God will not take from you in step, step seven what you will not give up in step six. And it changed my life. Um, and I went to the doctor and you know what? Things didn't get better for a while because I had stayed sick for so long that the treatment once applied didn't work immediately. You know, the mind tells us that we can manage and that we're fine. The intuition knows better, but um, it took a long time to get well again. And for me, the deepest, most painful part of this step when I am really in it is this sincere desire to, with my higher power, to always, always remember with my built-in forgetter, let me never think I am above doing the things in self-will that I did drinking because I still have the capacity to do them sober. Let me never think that I will not take my own will back in ways that I am sure that I won't because I have this mind and these things that persist below the level of consciousness must be examined with continued practice. And um, I just can't always see things on my own. I'm going to turn it back over to Elizabeth. Wow, there's so much there, Kate. Um, first of all, now I know it's really clear why the sixth step starts with this is the step that separates the boys from the men. That makes so much sense. Um, 
The other thing is you talked about the hundred percent with alcohol. I got to a place that I was a hundred percent sure. I was convinced that my life run on my will when it came to alcohol would not be successful. And I was willing to give that surrender that. And so I haven't had to pick up alcohol in you know, a number of years. And this idea of I'm not able to determine for myself whether or not I should go to a doctor like you were sharing in your story. That to me is harder to grasp because, well, of course I can figure out if I should go to a doctor or not. Like I, I should know, right? I'm a grown woman. There's a lot of things I should be able to do. So for me, self-reliance is really subtle. It, it reminds me of the corroding thread that it talks about in the in the third step, um, that fear is like the corroding thread. We're shot through with it. And I think about, you know, the threads in a piece of clothing and how there are just thousands and thousands of them. And that's like my defects. You know, we go through this first time, we've got these big boulders, these glaring things like, okay, my alcoholism, I can see I'm powerless over that. But when it comes to managing my, you know, raising my child, I can decide where he's going to go to school or not go, or, you know, in my marriage, I can decide like, it's, it's so I fall victim to that every day. And that's why the remaining steps, like Kate just talked about, are so vital for someone like me, because I live in delusion. And that's not to say that, 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 that that's a bad thing. It's like I've been given the gift and the grace of a wake up, like um, in the the ripple effect, he talks about this internal system, this internal sensor that has been placed within us as we practice these tools, right? These spiritual principles become alive within us. And I get to review a day's worth versus six months worth or 10 years worth, right? When I first came in, first go through the steps, we're examining, we're at the turning point right now where we're looking back and going, oh my God, we just, you know, did 28 years or 48 years or however old you are when you first get into these 12 steps. But as we move forward, and I know for myself, those periods of, of review have gotten less and less over time to the point where today I'm willing to look at the last 24 hours. There are years in sobriety where I wasn't willing to look at the last 24 hours. I was willing to look at, like Kate said, you know, I'd go hear somebody speak and be like, oh my God, I want what you have. And be like, you know, the last year I wasn't doing anything but sponsoring and going to meetings, you know, two-stepping. And so, or, you know, occasionally I do whatever, something here and there, read on the subway in the morning. You know, that was my prayer and meditation time. So this idea that the sixth step is the nucleus, it's, 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 it's the, the heart of steps 10 and 11, right? It's, it's the middle. It's the, the, those, it's the, the minutiae. I don't know what, what the word is, but it's the essence um, is just so beautiful. I too had a story where it was a physical thing 
And I was unwilling. It's not that I wasn't willing. It was that I was using human power to try to solve something that only a spiritual power could solve. A human power can't solve even my human condition. And that I learned um, recently, the last few years. I kept going to human powers rather than sitting and asking God. Um, And mine was about health as well. And what ended up happening was it it looked like I was willing because I went to a sponsor and I was like, what what do I do? How, you know, what do I do? How, How come I keep ending up in this same place with my food? And you know, my sponsor was just beautiful. She, she, she wanted to help me, you know, she, but she didn't have the food thing that I had. And so she just shared with me her experience. And so I was like, okay, I'll try that. You know, I'll do whatever. I'll try her experience to see if I could get my own experience. And what ended up happening was I got to the point where I was physically, the body was beginning to shut down. Dis-ease was happening in my body. I had my first experience with vertigo. I was, you know, just not well. And I finally got to a place where I said, okay, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And the third step is so instrumental in that sixth step, because until I completely surrendered, and and 100% admitted that I was powerless and even my AA sponsor couldn't help no, and no human power could help, that there was an opening. There was an opening. And, and then within a weekend, it happened so fast that I got the answer, the solution to solve the, the problem. And it came through a sponsee. It came through a sponsee who lives in South Africa. And the way that it came through was because I was I was open. So I was exploring all of these different meetings that I did not want to go to. And I thought they were crazy, but I was going to do it anyway. And I was sharing with this sponsee. She had a problem. And I was just sharing with her well, how I opened and how I surrendered in the third step. And I was just kind of sharing my experience, strength, and hope. And when I was finished sharing, she said to me very casually, Oh, I used to have that problem, but I don't have that problem anymore. And she stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, huh, what? I was open. I could hear her. And I said, well, can you tell me more about that? And anyway, she led me to Joni, who took me through the OA steps. And I was able to wake up, you know, in 23, almost 24 years in sobriety um, to being a compulsive eater. Now, how one could stay asleep to that fact for so long, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter right? This is the process of working step six. So um, we were going to look at, are we going to look at step 12? Okay. In, in the 12 and 12, in step 12, Bill summarizes each step. And he says this about the sixth step. At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all our defects of character removed because we still love some of them too much. 
Yet we knew we had to make a settlement with the fundamental principle of step six. So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought nevertheless to quit our stubborn, rebellious, hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. And for me with my food, it wasn't that I was completely unwilling. I, I, someday I will, this will get addressed. And I, in earnestness, really did try, but I was still there and didn't even know it, which is why it's so important the rest of the steps, right? These steps aren't done in a vacuum. They're done together as a collective whole. And so at step six, if I see something, I have steps four and five to set it on paper and to have that quiet time to be reflective on here I did this again. And I, I've had this over and over with sponsees and myself. They'll say, but I've already wrote it out. I, ju I just keep writing it out. And I, I just say, I understand. I, I hear you. I've been there. But that's the process, right? And for me, that is the God-reliant process. That is not going into my mind for the figuring it out but instead placing it on paper and going wholeheartedly to a sponsor and whatever the road is, God knows where I'm going, you know, and no human power can, but God can and will if he is sought. And the good news is, you know, we just have to keep seeking and God does it in God's time. Okay, Kate, what do you got? Well, you guys can tell this is not a meeting where we struggle to talk about step, step six without talking about step seven, like it's really common in lots of meetings. We can talk about step six forever. Um, you know, we were talking about um, the practicing the rest of the steps as part of our working of step six. And so what it looks like today when I'm in a step six place is for me, that voice inside that just says, try harder just try harder, just push a little bit more, go a little bit further. Don't stop. Don't pause. Just, just keep going, get one more thing done. And I've had experience with that this week. And we also think it's interesting that in the 12th step, when Bill summarizes all of the steps that we've just taken, he spends the most time talking about step six and, um, I just, I think that's fascinating about when he's reflecting on the steps. So we're going to talk a little bit, wrap up by talking about this um, non-conference approved book, Drop the Rock, The Ripple Effect. And the authors in this book, like Elizabeth said, share about step 10 being an internal sensor. And they also talk about how a shortcoming is kind of this, the not practicing enough of a characteristic and a defect is practicing it too much. So for instance, if I'm dishonest, I'm, that's a shortcoming. I'm not practicing that enough. I'm not being honest enough. But then if I never stop talking, that's a defect. Um, I, I think that's really interesting. You know, Joe and Charlie talk about how Bill just used the same word, different words to mean the same thing. So everybody has an opinion on defects versus shortcomings. 
But what the authors of this book talk about is how there's flaws and there's emotions. Selfishness is a flaw. Dishonesty is a flaw. But resentment and fear are emotions. They're not flaws. They're emotions associated with selfishness and dishonesty. So like if I'm feeling the feeling of being resentful or of being fearful, that points me to a character defect, which is a basic human flaw. So if I'm using the 10th step, that internal sensor is going to go off and be like, you're being selfish or did you just lie a little bit? And then where I go is I look for the resentment and the fear that's associated. What's really interesting in, in this book is the authors talk about how um, every human being has these same foundational defects of over-reliance on self, which for us is the deeper truth of step three. So we're not just turning over our will in our life once, we're turning it over, over and over again. And so as Elizabeth talked about that first pass through the steps, we see these really big boulders that we kind of can't ignore anymore. But as we continue to practice, these things arise in our lives as little kind of pebbles that are getting stuck in our shoe. And it doesn't feel good to walk around on a pebble, but it's totally different than having those really big boulders. And so we have sustainable emotions and we have unsustainable emotions. Resentment and fear aren't sustainable, but when they're brought into balance by practicing what it looks like to notice the disturbance as it's arising, pause, go to God, see a different choice, make a different choice in the moment, then we're practicing sustainable emotions that are the principles of the steps, right? Like humility, willingness, tenacity, justice, faith. And so um, in my home group in Houston, we talk about step six as being the fulcrum of the steps, like right after step six and before step seven is like this tipping point, right? So there's a couple definitions of fulcrum that we found. It's the point or support on which a lever pivots. So Elizabeth talked about the pivoting from the past, looking at the past or looking ahead toward the future. It's also an anatomical structure that acts as a hinge or a point of support. So step six is the place where I get the support from God, right? I've just seen in step five and I have that huge willingness that comes out of the pain and the being seen of that active confession. And I'm preparing supported, knowing God better to go into step seven and say, take it, take all of it. Please let me be willing that you have all of it. And then this is the craziest definition, an agent through which vital powers are exercised. So if you remember in step three, it says God is the principle and we are the agent. And that this work that we're doing is vital and life-giving. So a fulcrum is an agent through which vital powers are exercised. So God is the power and I am the agent. And with that, we are going to go into our meditation. Elizabeth, would you like to yes. get us into that? Okay, that's wonderful. All right, so now we'll go ahead and set the timer for five minutes. And 
you know, I just invite you to ask yourself, what are you still holding on to? If there's something, and I wouldn't ask yourself, actually, I would ask God. <laughs> so the contemplative question, you know, God, higher power, is there something that I'm holding on to that you want me to see? Grant me the power to see the truth. And then just as the mind tries to answer the question and go, oh, no, we're good. Oh, no. Or whatever the mind says, simply release the answer and come back to the question and come back to the communion and the openness. And you could use your breath, the life force, the prana as your anchor, if that's helpful. Have a great meditation.
That's five minutes. We will now go to a show of hands.